Uh, this is Joe Corneli, uh, the host of the Piragaji in Action podcast uh, often and including today. We're on episode number 15. Um, please allow us to reintroduce ourselves. Amongst other things, we're doing this in a completely different way this time. Uh, we're joined by uh, Piragaji intern, Kajal Ketan, uh, and uh, we're producing our own podcast here on Zoom, uh, not on StreamYard, um, trying something a little bit more DIY here. Um, so uh, that'll be fun. But basically, the format's the same. We've got two great guests who I'll introduce now. Um, we've got uh, Mary Tadishi, a clinical lecturer at Pace University, and Lisa McDonald, business owner and consultant, and oftentimes, uh, many years, contributor to the Piragaji Project. So Mary's a bit new to Piragaji, and uh, Lisa, you've been around for one or two editions of the handbook. Um, so... Um, can we ask you, well, let's bring up that next slide, Kajol, and ask you to say a little bit about yourselves, maybe in the order that we started. So the slide here says, uh, go ahead, please. Yeah. The slide says, what are the origins of Piragaji? Uh, so for, for you, Mary, maybe, how did you how did you find your way to Piragaji? And what is Piragaji to you? Well, I've been part of the patterns community and attending the PLOP conferences. I attended one in 2011, my set, and I skipped a few years. My 2015 version is where we met Joe and I met Charlotte and I got my Piragaji handbook. So that's how I got wow. started. Wow. And uh, Lisa, were you a co-author of that paper? I think you were a co-author of our patterns paper because I seem to remember you giving us loads of great uh pointers about how to improve it. Do you remember that patterns of your paper? Yeah, I remember doing something with it. I don't remember yeah. what. I wasn't like the main writer, though. I was, was basically making suggestions and stuff, for sure. Yeah. Um, but you've been around in the in the Piragaji orbit since very near the start. Can you tell a little bit about the origins of Piragaji in your life? That'd be interesting. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I take a more business background, so a lot of oh. this has to do with education. But my interest came from business and I worked for, I spent 20 years in the Japanese automotive industry with two different companies. One um, was eight years with one company and the other was 15 years with another company. And although they were both Japanese auto companies based in Los Angeles, um, when I went from one to the other, a lot of people would ask me, how are they the same? And I might as well just say it. The first company was Isuzu and the second company was Honda. So when people on both sides were curious because the companies had a car sharing agreement, so there was interaction between the companies. So they're like, how is it different? How is it different on both sides? And I couldn't give them an answer because the Honda culture was so different from Isuzu that I couldn't say it's like this, but. And then what happened is, and I was trying to figure out how it worked because it was just so, Isuzu was very structured. And then this Honda thing just was weird by comparison, you know, it just, it, it, the words just had different meanings, even in a weird way, I couldn't explain it. And then I hadn't been there very long. And one Japanese executive said to me, he said, we're going to have a lot of retirements coming up. We need to re figure out how to preserve the Honda culture when we lose all of these people who understand it. And, you know, and he's looking for ideas from me. I had no idea what to tell him because I didn't understand that culture and how it was really working. Well, then lo and behold, 
late at night again when I was working late, another Japanese executive asked me the same question. And I thought, wow, this is pretty, pretty weird here. Again, no answer. And then another one. And it turned out, I don't know why they were asking me because I asked some of my friends later, you know, like over the years, I've kind of asked them and nobody got asked. But anyway, I didn't have answers for them. But then I, but I was still looking for those answers. Flash forward, I think it might've been 2013. I was at an event in U, at UCI, UC, University of California at Irvine. And Howard was there and he did his lecture on some stuff and it was related to social media, I think, or something like that. They had these breakout sessions and I was with some friends. That's how I found out about it. So I went with them to this breakout session and it was mostly just my friends and him. And he started talking about something. And I thought, this is what I'm looking for. This is what, like he's doing something here and this is what I'm looking for. Now, my friends didn't, weren't as interested in this at all, which was really funny because I was kind of going along with them. But anyway, so I followed up with him and expressed interest in what he was talking about in this breakout session. And he referred me to you guys. And so then I got in touch with you guys and I've been in contact with you um, pretty much ever since to greater and lesser degrees. So sometimes I've had more time than others. But um, so basically it was that search for understanding of how this different corporate culture was working because it yeah. was so completely different from what I had experienced somewhere else. And pedagogy tends to get to what it, the dynamics. That's very cool. I had, I had known a little bit about that uh, background, but I had never heard it told all in a linear order before. So that's very interesting to learn that pedagogy was kind of answering, helping to answer a question that was uh, hanging around from before. So that's, that's cool. And I think that, that indeed we, as, as Mary is talking about with the patterns community, you know, we've been sort of rediscovering things inside of pedagogy as well, like the existence of design patterns and the way that community works with their writers with workshops and stuff like that. But those were not strictly speaking at the origins of the pedagogy project. Uh, so it's, it's, it's interesting that we're all kind of learning together in this case. But I, I should also just mention that that for me, uh, Clear Origin was 13 years ago meeting uh, Charlie Danoff, who's pulled this episode together at Wikimania, and who's just been to another Wikimania, this time in Singapore. We met in Poland, um, and um, we decided to sit in on each other's classes when we met again online at Peer-to-Peer -peer University. And that experience of being each of us being teachers, but also students, and then giving each other feedback. It was like a kind of recipe for pedagogy, although there wasn't the word at the time. So um, uh, it was quite exciting to see these different experiences of, of coming to the project, finding it. Um, and I'd forgotten, Mary, that we we uh, got together around 2015 um, with, I think Charlotte must have given you that handbook. So, okay, well, let's go. Let's go to the next slide. We can keep this in mind um, as we go on. So yeah, this this question is topic two. There's two two questions. Could you please tell us about a specific instance or area in your personal life where you've incorporated pedagogy principles? How has the practice of collaborative and peer to peer learning influenced your approach to learning and growth? Um, so those are a lot of questions, uh, a lot of things to think about. Um, Mary, I know that you're um, you've incorporated uh, quite a bit of peer learning and pedagogy thinking in your 
classes. If you'd like to talk about that, that would be interesting. But this is asking a bit bigger in your life as a whole. So uh, feel free to range over whatever uh, whatever this brings to mind. Uh, well, we I was going to say we met again uh, virtually in the uh, PLOP conference in 2021 with your paper. And um, then I was so interested in your case study, I wanted to bring it into my classroom. And we did that for three semesters, which evolved into the this past spring, where you were able to conduct a workshop in our class as well. So um, I think it's really grown. Um, incorporating the pyragogy principles personally. Um, I think I bring it to other classes that I teach as well. So um, it starts to carry over into other aspects. Well, another thing you've done is you've introduced us to Kajol and helped facilitate that. Um, you've in introduced us to Sri Devi, who's not here today, but has uh, been a another uh, relative newcomer to Puragaji. So I think, um, yeah, that, that seems to be building building this network of people who are interested in learning uh, and experimenting with that. So those are those are ways that it's reflected, uh, your contributions have reflected on, on my experience. Um, okay, so uh, you've, you've had a little bit longer to think about these questions, Lisa, while they've been up on the on the screen. Uh, what do you think about uh, how have you incorporated Puragaji in your life? And and um, yeah, it may be, uh, it's an open question, but I'd also be curious how it ever turned out once you once you kind of felt like Puragaji was an answer to that question of how, how the uh, Honda company culture works. So um, how, to, yeah, pick us up with that story for you. Okay, so um, short, actually, the funny thing is, is when I, and I, I go back to, I moved to Honda in 98 before the retirements happened. So I saw the evolution of the culture too. So because the culture as cultures change, right? And that's what they were kind of afraid of, but cultures change. And so I saw an evolution, which was really interesting um, because a lot of the words take on different meanings without without executives necessarily understanding what they're doing. So um, for example, personal accountability. Oh, this is one example of how executives and management handles things. At Izuzu, when there was a problem, because again, it's top down, when there was a problem, they would point the finger down to the person, last person on the totem pole to their desk. You know, whose fault was it, right? That's a very structured hierarchical approach. When I went to Honda and when I first went to Honda, one of the things that really just kind of blew my mind was there was a massive problem with accessories. Um, it was my account and the release of the S2000. And the marketing people had not done forecasts right. It was actually a combination of marketing and systems issues. So we had a horrible mess when the car got released for back orders. But it was really for back orders that cars that, for cars that didn't exist and wouldn't for a year or two, the dealers overordered. But anyway, so their response, instead of getting into a meeting and trying to point the finger as far as who's responsible, the vice president of the entire parts division for Honda called everybody into a meeting from the persons, you know, like the analyst, 
all the way up to, you know, like the vice president of like service and parts communication, everybody into a conference room. And he's like, he goes, I want to know how our process is so broken that this doesn't come down to one person. Right. He said, the process is broken. This shouldn't come down to one person did a forecast. I want to know what's broken in the process, what we're going to do to fix it and how we're going to get out of this situation. You know, and it was a total solution sort of thing instead of pointing the finger down to one person that creates kind of a more peer-to-peer learning sort of thing and and inspires that sort of peer-to-peer learning because everybody rises and falls together you know when you don't uh, a lot more motivating yeah yeah a lot more motivating and and people don't want to you know in the other sort of environment people can like try to cut cut other people out because they don't want to have anything to do with it. Like I didn't have anything to do with it, even though they maybe should have, I didn't have anything to do with it. It's their fault kind of thing. But when you say, Hey, there's this big problem. It's a process system problem. Everybody needs to sort this out. Now everybody is all levels need to come together to figure this out and to learn from each other to put together something. So it doesn't happen again. Right. And there's things, very subtle things like that from a management standpoint that can uh, create and contain a more pedagogical, yeah. I guess, sort of environment versus the other. And, um, and another thing was something as simple as performance evaluations. Before I left, I had to talk with somebody because they were stri- they're like personal accountability, you know, so they were going to start really holding people accountable to the like the letters of your um, performance evaluation. Here's what it is. Well, nothing ever goes as planned. You know, like it's just nothing goes as planned. So people need to be flexible and do what they need to do to fix it. When they started getting within the context of these very firm sort of things, we saw at the factories it started blowing up because they didn't want, if this, if this might've hurt this on their performance appraisal, you know, line number two, if they stepped out and did something that was really helping the bigger cause, they would just tell us to pound sand when they started this personal accountability thing. So they created a structure in a very subtle way without realizing it. And so there's very subtle things I saw with management that they could influence the culture again without realizing it. You know, the common common theme to those two stories you told, um, the two two different uh, touch points you talked about, uh, is is kind of makes you think of like a, an orientation towards the past or an orientation towards the future. So if you're thinking about what went wrong, how can we fix it and get our system working again, kind of metaphorically get the car back on the road, that's that's the one orientation. But the other orientation is like a future orientation, which is thinking, well, what kind of car are we going to be driving next year? Or are we even going to be driving a car? Maybe we're going to be going by airplane or train or something like that. So it's creating a, f- a future perspective which is much more open and creative so those are, i think that those really encapsulate a lot of what pyragogy means to me as well because for me pyragogy means that we're building this platform together um not you know and we're not going back and just fine-tuning it we recently had a couple of people uh approach us organically and say hey we'd like to think about how to use pyragogy in uh, formal education. One was mathematics and the other was uh, government classes. And one was a master's student. The other one was an undergrad. And it occurred to me, those conversations are, they're 
you know, super valuable. Who knows where those are going to go? And, and it's not that, you know, it's not that somehow we've been around for longer. So we know all the answers. And anytime someone comes with an interesting question, it completely reinvigorates our thinking. So um, I, again, I think that that your example sums it up, uh, but that's it. I think we should move on future yes. orientation to, to topic three um, and, and uh, think about that one. So if I remember correctly, that's a, Yes, there we go. How do you imagine the future of Puragaji? So perfect transition. Um, so yeah, um, let's just uh, do the same turn-taking thing. Uh, we could also get a bit of a conversation going about this. So, um, but let's go to Mary first. Uh, how do you imagine the future of Puragaji, Mary? Um, I think it's still evolving because we have things like chat GPT in our realm of thinking. Um, so, and technology keeps changing um, and different ideas in our, um, that we have to concern ourselves if we're going to have a future world at all with all we know about climate change. So I think we have to embrace more on pyragogy and working together and collaboration I think has become even more important than ever. Um, students need to be more active in the classroom, um, in work environments. Employees can't just sit back and wait for one person to be the leader. So I I I think it'll play more of a role in the future. Uh, well, rather than bouncing back, um, Lisa, would you want to respond to those those remarks? I think that yeah, I think it will play more of a role in the future. There's um, I think we we've kind of been trying to roll the rock uphill or push the water uphill a little bit. Because right now, in a Western standpoint, we are living in a world that's highly individualized. You know, so it's we just normally start to look at things, you know, as uh, individuals. So, you know, they do cultural things where the fish tank, you know, they have a big fish and a tank with other stuff. And in Western cultures or in the United States, we would talk about the fish if we were asked to describe what was in the aquarium. And Americans would tend to talk about the fish, whereas other cultures would talk, tend to talk about other stuff in the aquarium along with the fish, you know. And so I think... Um, we're, I think that might be shifting. There's a young, the younger generations, sorry, I'm getting text messages. They're highly annoying. But anyway, there's, um, the, there's a generation that's coming in to adulthood. And I think also the, as, as women become more involved, because I think studies have shown that women can tend to be more collaborative um, or create more collaborative situations. But there's a generation after 9-11, we were doing market research and the parents kept commenting these kids just traveled in in groups, you know, like they just, it's not just one friend. It's like, they've got a group of friends. So they're having to buy these bigger cars because, you know, they've got five or six friends and they all travel together. And I look at like 9-11 and school shootings and how that may have affected their perception of collectiveness in that 9-11 uh, was processed for them in schools as a collective experience and even our mass shooting situations in schools, as messed up as it is, 
it teaches students at an early age, they have to act collectively. Do you know what I mean? Which is something we didn't have to deal with before. Right. So they, you know, like if somebody makes a noise, it could hurt everybody, that kind of thing. And so that that's collective sense of understanding also may, and plus these things are cyclical anyway, may end up helping the idea of pedagogy kind of pave ways more intuitively as people will just more naturally understand elements of it that older generations from more of the me generation struggle with. You know, right before this call, I saw a really interesting example of uh, students, like school students in uh, Chicago were getting together and they were asking the gangs in Chicago, could you please have a ceasefire between 9 a.m. and 9 p.m.? Anyway, that's a, that's a good example of kind of people working together to, to at least have their voice be heard, because I heard it all the way over here in, in the UK. But that's it. Speaking of younger generations and women, uh, could we uh, introduce Kajal and have her come on a little bit? She's our first ever Pyragogy intern. And again, thank you to Mary for um, introducing you uh, Kajol, uh, could you uh, say a few words about um, how you find Piragaji in your in your work? Uh, hello, am I audible? Yeah. Okay, so just a moment for us. Let me do a thing. Okay, fine. So I'm the first, very first intern of Piragaji, as we talked about it earlier. So finding Piyaragaji is something different for me, though it's introduced to each one of us, everybody knows how Piyaragaji works and what it is all about. But still people find it confusing whenever we say the term Piyaragaji. It's all about peer learning, collaborative learning. And due to Professor Mary, Professor Cuny, she introduced me to Piyaragaji and the team. She let me be an intern and gave me this opportunity to be a part of Piyaragaji, where I got to learn and be a part of a book and then also I was a part of the article patterns of patterns. I'm really thankful to Professor May and all the team of Pyragaji, Joe, Charlie, each one of you. So one more thing to mention about Lisa, we came to know she is also the producer of the podcast. It's the mind that matters. So yes, I'm really grateful for all the opportunity that I'm getting as an intern over here. Even the podcast, being a technical team here, in the podcast is really helpful for me because it is helping me to get some new information how a podcast is run how things are done and also related to the time limit there is no exact time i can work on my own time set and do the things that has been said to me to be done also the technology person where they asked me to improve the section i was able to do with the great help of each one of the pyramidal team i got to meet with a diverse community so it has really been helpful for me. Like overall, I'm really enjoying the experience of being an intern. And I'm sure in the future, there will be lots and lots of interns who will really be enthusiastic to learn more about their graduate, give their not only 100%, but maybe 200% and more to develop and grow the team. Because at the end, I believe the future is for graduate where we get to learn from our peers and share our experiences with each other to grow more and more. That's great. Mary Mary told me that you were the leader of one of the groups in uh, her course, and I will be curious to talk with you more about how we could, you know, help to share these kinds of ways of working with other people. As as, uh, Lisa was saying, it's not 
Um, not necessarily typical in the industry, although maybe more so. And I think Mary would probably agree. It's not every not every course is going to uh, be as um, experimental as hers is. Um, so cool, yeah. I think all of us have have more work to do thinking about how to how to make that work better. Um, but yeah, let's go to the next slide. We should um, thank uh, Charlie again for pulling this together. Um, and Charlotte, although she's not here today, has inspired the uh, podcast series and would definitely remind us to try to keep it to a half hour in terms of the recording. Uh, I think that might have been what you were alluding to when you're talking about the time limit, Kajal. So I think we should wrap up. Um, if I think there's one more slide. Um, so if we go ahead, we, usually we do this um, action review as uh, after party, separate from the podcast. But because we're not live streaming... Um, we like to review things. And in fact, since we've done 15 podcasts now, this is probably one of the most um, interesting and effective touch points for the project. So 15 is a good number, but it's not uh, 100 like some of Charlotte's other podcasts. Um, so maybe we can loop through these questions together briefly. Um, Charlie has shared a link with me, which is uh, Etherpad. Um don't know if we can pull that up on the screen, but uh, we could put it in the chat for everyone. Um, so I'm on etherpad.wikimedia.org slash p slash puragaji. Oh, there it is appearing on the screen. Um, I was on it. I thought I was. Now I'm looking at Kajal's screen. So um, I'll try to take notes into that. But the questions here are the important ones. Um, so yeah, what what and how are we learning today uh, on on the topic of pyragogy? Um, so maybe some each of you could say a little bit about something you you learned today. Ah, okay, um, Kajal, maybe since you're on there, maybe you could take notes. Um, so what did we expect to learn or make together? Are you willing to drop down a few notes there? It looks like Kajal is doing it. Okay, thank you. Um, so uh, Mary, how about you? Uh, well, I expected to learn about um, how to how, how to be part of a podcast. This was my very first time, um, and sharing with the members of the Puragaji group. Yeah, great. Um, and Lisa, you said that your podcast is uh, soon to be launched. Um, so uh, what is it like to be on this podcast and and how is that uh, how is the other podcast coming along? Are you are, I, I suppose you've been learning a lot about podcasting as you go? Yeah, I have. And uh, I mean this everything's helpful. I mean this is it's kind of this is more like a uh, video meeting almost a little bit kind of too. so, this is good, and uh, but it's good practice to get back and to test my internet because I've had internet issues for a long time. So, um, so this is very good, and um, yeah, it's just I think as far as what I expected to learn, just just also to participate, see who showed up, and get other people's perspectives on what brought them to Piragachi. Um And basically, I don't know if this is another question, but one of the things that I learned today so I may pass on another question is um, that collaborative learning sometimes requires a collaborative structure. I kind of yeah, took it that. more implicitly, but I think that, you know, um, yeah, the, the fact that you have to have a, a collaborative structure set up to really facilitate the learning or it's helpful. 
think that that's really interesting. Earlier today, we were on a, on a call with Kajal uh, talking about technologies and how um, trying to get everyone onto the same, you know, it worked pretty well because we're all familiar with Zoom, but there are some other technologies that are are less less familiar, right? And so that it would be much harder to collaborate if you're if you're spending loads of time trying to teach people how to use a given tool versus a tool that's intuitive and easy to use where you can just get started talking using that tool about the uh about whatever it was besides the tool you were trying to learn about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yeah, what happened, uh, personally on, on question two, I think there was a, a good conversation, a nice, uh, balance. Um, I'm glad we had the opportunity to, uh, make it a, a bit of a conversation. Um, although I've always noticed that, um, you know, people have different styles of talking and, um, listening and feedback and, you know, think about how we could all work together. I think that that's a, that's a long process, but I'm, I'm glad to introduce, uh, Lisa and Mary and Kajal, um, would anyone like to share some uh, perspectives on what happened? Uh, Kajol, any any perspectives from you or Mary, Lisa? Um, uh, I, I, well, I hadn't seen the slides in advance. So seeing the slides and listening was important. Um, it was nice that this was my second time chatting with Lisa. So I got to um, know her a little bit more. Very cool. Yeah, I think that the, the similarity and differences between the experiences Lisa's described uh, in her um, industry career and, you know, looking at your innovative approach to teaching, um, it's making me feel like there, you know, there really is something here. As as Lisa's often reminded us that our orientation in the project is often towards education. And Mary, with you, that's how we've been mostly talking about it. But um, a lot of the work in the patterns community is more oriented towards application, business, uh, you know, professional programming, consulting, that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, that's a perspective rather than a specific action needed. But I suppose when we go to plop, uh, the next plop where we have this next paper, it'll be interesting to keep our eyes out for, you know, ways to lean a little bit more in that direction. Because, yeah, I think we do always tend to lean more towards the education side. Um, uh, maybe we could go to, we talked about the future of, um, of, uh, Pyragogy broadly, but if there's any specific uh, pointers or tips, um, uh, Lisa, any ideas about things we we should change going forward, uh, specifically based on on our experience today? No, I think using this tool for people who are newer to was a great idea. I've got Streamyard, and I'm not really fluent with it, but I've been around it a little bit, and I think if you're not used to it, you can get caught in the technology trying to do all the intros and outros and all of that stuff. So I think this was a good idea to get something moving and get something recorded. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know. I just struggle sometimes with the 6 a.m. Monday call. So that's, uh, that's yeah. my, my personal thing. So fair enough. No, but I think you and half the planet probably are feeling a little bit like the time zone is, is strange. Like I said, the, we had these people approach us from um, Indonesia and, uh, India recently, 
I'd love to have them on one of those Monday calls or a future podcast, but I think that the respectful thing to do would be to, to try to find a time that really works with their time zone. Um, Kajal, maybe you could give us some tips about a, a, an alternative time. Uh, but yeah, keeping in mind that that the uh, in many ways, the home base of, of Piragaji is in California. We need to keep in mind the, the time zones um, to make them friendly uh, for people on that side of the planet. Um, yeah, well, those, those are some good tips. But yeah, uh, I would commend uh, Charlie and Kajal for uh, pulling this together and proving that we don't need to use StreamYard, although I, I enjoy the lovely uh, banners and stuff that StreamYard has. And um, But yeah, this is a very um, do-it-yourself uh, thing, and I think we should do more stuff in that in that spirit. I like what you said, uh, Lisa, about just... Uh, just uh you know being able to do it record it and put it out there um i think i think that's great all right well if anyone has any other uh remarks they want to fit in here anywhere i'm gonna give it over to you yeah uh what to change going forward mm. i guess with the plan going to the plop conference maybe we can raise awareness um with one of the um it's too, I think too late for a focus group, a formal focus group, but they will have things at PLOP. Um, so to try to bring something up and let them know this exists, they don't even know. Yeah, well, one of the things that Kajal has been working on is a, is a shorter version. I think everyone will be happy to hear that who knows about it. Shorter version of the Piragaji handbook that can be handed out uh, as a kind of pamphlet or uh, zine, um, or even brochure, something that people can, can easily look at. But yeah, I, th I think that we can, uh, we can, um, look at other ways to, to share as well. That's a, that's a good use case. And in the spirit of, of trying things out, we can try it out there and, and keep improving our, uh, work in that regard in the future. Okay. Um, well, I think we should call it a wrap. Uh, just one other quick thing, yep, just before please. we all close out. So yeah. you can actually go in and do the edits that you can do with StreamYard if you get the video, download it, and go into a video. Mm. So it's not like you have to abandon all that by doing it this way. You just have to have somebody go in and just retouch it however you want yeah. it retouched. So just as a, just, you know, you don't have to throw the baby out with the bathwater, you know, kind of thing. That's that's very cool. Yeah, I think, well, it'd be interesting to think about that because often we're focusing on the, on the live streaming experience with um, with StreamYard and and the idea that we would you know increase the production values by doing a bit of editing afterwards is uh, yeah that's a call to action so uh, we shall we shall talk more about it but yeah we definitely need to get our hands on that video and uh, I'll look forward to seeing that on YouTube in the future so uh, thanks uh, Kajal and Charlie um, Kajal if you want to stop the recording I guess this is the this is a wrap um, oh there you all are. Great.